Podcast One Production. Look, in Australia, we love our sports, but we don't have enough sports to play. There's only a couple of footballs, cricket, whatever. We need some more sports in Australia, which is why I've prepared a list of sports that were popular once in history or are popular in other countries today. We're going to find out whether they are... Cat's Pyjamas or Cat's Piss with The Chaser. With me today are Charles Firth, Craig Rucastle, and Andrew Hanson. My name is Dom Knight. Now, look, uh, some sports mix elements of other popular pastimes, and which is honest, I want to start the list with chess boxing. And some genius uh, a few boxing. years ago uh, invented a sport where you have to play chess, uh, and then after a game, you do a round of boxing, and then you go back to the <laughs> chess, and then you keep going uh, until the point where um, either you've lost the chess game or are completely unconscious. I've been a big fan of chess boxing for years. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dom, but the reason why it's cat's pyjamas is because one affects your ability to play the other. That's it. Yeah, because you put, you start off playing chess all right, mm. oh, except if you're a boxer, <laughs> and then you get into the boxing thing and then you start not being able to play tre- chess very well. So then the people who are good at playing chess... Oh no no! Wait a minute. How does it work? So then, bad. so you got to be you got to be a relatively good boxer and a relatively relatively good chess player to be able to get can, through. Can I ask you a question? Is the reason this game is not really well known around the world is they tried to get Charles to explain? It <laughs> <laughs> was was that the ad for it? Are you? No no because no no. But think about it. Is, are you better off being really good at chess? No, uh, but then not. But then having the crap punched out of you. You've got to be good at both. I totally agree yeah. with this, and I, I think like this is a brilliant idea because there are some friends of ours who beat me a lot in chess, mm. and I reckon if I'd been able to punch them afterwards, <laughs> yeah. I would have been in a much better position on the next chess game. So it's, it's quite well thought through. Do you think that? You know, it was like a chess nerd who just dreamed of being able to punch people. That no, came I think it's, it's somebody who got the shits with being beaten by a nerd <laughs> yeah. and went, I know, I know. chess boxing. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is big in, in Germany, India, Russia, and the UK, among other places. And Russia, of course, the home of chess. And it's fascinating watching photos of people playing it because you've got a boxing ring. You've got people in the shorts, shirts off and with boxing gloves. Uh, which I guess they've taken off when they play chess. So it's, it's boxers sitting at a tiny chess table, concentrating avidly. Like it's a really weird visual phenomenon. So they're clearly quite accomplished boxers who've also got a bit of the brain power to play chess. And and what's what is the rule? Like it, if you win the chess game, do you then win the whole thing, or do you have to win both? Or well, they alternate every three minutes is the key, and I guess it's just whichever mm. one gives out first. Do you do you checkmate or do you knock out? Oh, so you don't necessarily finish the chess game before you have the boxing. You just do three minutes on three minutes. No, off. it could take hours to finish the chess game. At which point you'd just be wanting to punch them during it, and the audience would get very bored. No, every what? three minutes it's switch. You know what I like about chess boxing, though, is the fact this is the one area. Because remember when Deep Blue won, uh, beat, defeated a human, the computer. That's right. Defeating him chess. We're still beating computers in chess boxing. They haven't been able to beat us yet. <laughs> I mean, it hurts like hell to punch them, but they never come back from it. <laughs> what do you think, Andrew? Chess bomb, is chess boxing cat's pyjamas or cat's piss? Well, it sounds like cat's piss to me because I can't imagine there'd be many players. I'm thinking of the, the two sets of people. You've got the kids who go to chess club in one set. <laughs> they're very used the... to taking punches, admittedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, taking them, not giving, though, Dominic. Because then there's the other set, is the, the kids who are hanging out at the gym 
doing boxing. And I don't reckon on that Venn diagram there's going to be much <laughs> overlap between those two sets. And I think I'd there's probably amazed. only one set that knows what a Venn diagram is. <laughs> you know, yeah, and they'd I'd... get punched for knowing it. You know what I'd like to see? I'd not like to see Monopoly boxing. <laughs> well, that's just Monopoly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's an interesting question. I don't know what makes you a great chess boxer. Maybe you just have to be able to withstand blows and keep your brain going. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, it's an interesting game. It's a fascinating game. I mean, it, let's face it, it's... It's an improvement on both of them. <laughs> <laughs> what other sports could we combine? Is there anything else we could combine with, with boxing, for instance? I guess they've already tried to combine, say, rugby league and boxing. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I can imagine it. I mean, really, all I've done is gone, you're right, just gone and combined two sports. We could do anything. You, you, could, you could combine, uh, you know, you could have tennis pictionary or, you know, you could have, like, um, well, Serena Javelin Hungry Hungry Hippo. <laughs> or, so, look, I, I get the sense, guys, that I get the sense, guys, that you think this is pretty much cat's pajamas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. no, I think it's, it's, I think it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm going to, I'm going to start not, playing this. Really? No, not from it. No, no. Cat's piss. You, you just combined two different sports and and trying to say it's a, it's another sport. It's 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 like the biathlon. It's <laughs> that's a fair <laughs> criticism. All right, moving on to an annual event that takes place in Gloucester, England. It's called cheese rolling. What they do is they get a nine-pound wheel of cheese and they wheel, uh, they roll it down an incredibly steep hill. And the idea is, was originally to try and beat the cheese down. But now the cheese goes so fast, it's very steep. So the first person to the bottom gets to win the giant wheel of cheese. Well, so, sorry, why did the cheese go slower in the olden days? <laughs> I, <laughs> gravity less. Of, <laughs> it was a very square bit of cheese in the old days. Yeah, see, yeah. Look, exercise regimes have improved enormously for cheese. Have you, have you seen like, the, the, the cheese gyms that they now have are amazing. Amazing to well equipped. Yeah, I, I don't, maybe we've just got so much fatter that we can't keep up with cheese anymore. <laughs> I'm not fully yeah. across the, the che- precise history of cheese rolling, but I gather that, yeah, the idea was to beat the cheese and now you you can't. A, a, a fat lump of cheese is now the fittest thing on the, on the field. <laughs> Presumably what happened was that the first year, the guy that caught beat the cheese down, he got the cheese and he had to eat the whole big cheese. Second year, he still won, but a bit further behind. By the fifth year, the cheese is smashing him. It's like, it's like the draft in football, isn't it? Like... The, the winning the cheese the next year round, you're, you're that much weaker. Mm, exactly. Yeah, yeah. For what what sh- shape is the cheese in when it gets it's to the wheel. bottom of the hill? Is it is it still worth a winning? Is it worth winning a cheese that's been rolled down a big hill? I mean, that's a very it good point. Like? It's a bit battered, but I think its fundamental cheesiness is preserved. And the main point is, it's massive. It's a massive wheel of cheese, and it's, it would be a great thing to take home and put on the table, which would probably crush me about this. Dom is that it's still going. And it's amazing that they've managed to still find so many people in England. Is this in England? It is. Of course it's in England. So many people in England who don't realise you can now buy cheese at stores. (laughs) (laughs) They think you have to run down a hill chasing the cheese. (laughs) And it's like, oh, the one day a year we can get cheese. (laughs) The the really odd thing about this too is the event is called the Cooper's Hill Cheese Rolling and Wake. And I'm I'm wondering if the cheese has killed people at any point (laughs) rolling down the hill. It it is. I have seen this thing. The good thing about it, I think you you really, the thing to emphasize is just how steep the hill is. Like it's, it is incredibly steep hill. So the people, Mm. Mm. it seems like it would be easy to chase the cheese, but it's kind of at an angle whereby the cheese is fine because it's a, it's just, it's a round cheesy object, which good for the steep hills, Mm. but people are totally screwed on this hill. They oh. go, they go, ass over tip the whole way down. That's the thing. If you've seen videos, yeah, yeah everyone falls on the hill. That's the key. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough, fun of it. It's a tough hill to do it on. This ex- explains why we don't have any cheese rolling contests in Melbourne. <laughs> the cheese is very, it just cheese just sits there. 
how can we improve this sport? I was thinking maybe you could use a Swiss cheese in the Alps and just cause an avalanche. That might make it more uh, television friendly and spectacular. Well, I'm, I'm worried that the competitors might get stuck in the holes, Dom. I think this is a very dangerous suggestion. <laughs> well, uh, imp- improving it instead of rolling cheese. I mean, you could have all sorts of food rolling contests. You could, you could have like a, a sort of Kransky rolling competition. Um, any any sort of round food, uh, Devon rolling. Oh, so it has and, to be round. Look, I, I, I uh, this is Cat's. What's the good one? I, I, um, I'm very confused by this <laughs> form. Pajamas, just, just say it again. Pajamas is a good one. Well, what if I like Pat Cat's piss? I mean, this is real discriminatory. <laughs> uh, this is Cat's pajamas for me. I think it's a fantastic way to make the people of the UK a hurt themselves and b get fatter on cheese. All right, let's move on to a, a spot that I know you used to love, uh, Rue Castle. Actually, kayaking. Look, if you're sick of using a regular kayak to to go around in a lake or whatever. Uh, what they do in parts of North America is kayak around in a giant pumpkin that's been hollowed out. Um, 600 to 800 pound pumpkins are, are basically scooped out all the, the stuff from inside and they race around the lake. Uh, there is an annual West Coast giant pumpkin regatta in Oregon. And uh, while the pumpkins do actually capsize, there are, there are rescue boats, so it's perfectly safe. Wow, are the rescue boats, what are they made out of, aubergines? Or... <laughs> <laughs> it's just, do you have photos of this? I know it's not, this is a, this is a, is there seriously a pumpkins that big that you can kayak around in them? You can. Yeah. No, they, I've seen photos. That it's, it's easily as big as a small dinghy, yeah. I'll give you a Really? Photo. And they, they can even fit Americans in them. They must be very good <laughs> pumpkins. Well, this, this is this is cat's pyjamas. I love the sound of this sport. This sounds much, much more fun to me than um, whitewater rafting or whatever. It sounds terrific. I'd love to paddle around in a giant uh, pumpkin or um, I'd be open to all sorts of vegetables um, on the lakes. I think that'd be, I think it'd be a nice day out. This is cat's piss for me. This is a disgrace. People are starving around the world and you're just digging them out and using them as kayaks, for heaven's sake. Well, no, when there are perfectly good kayaks that you can use. No, but I think, I think, in fairness, I think those really big pumpkins are actually inedible. They are, yeah, you can't, you can't eat pumpkins that are that big. Well, yeah, well, you can't yes. eat things bigger yeah. than your head. You so. have to swim in them. What is that? Is a, did you say? Is that a rule, Andrew? That's you can't a rule. Eat you, no, isn't it? You know, you should head. never eat something bigger than your head. What about what about watermelon? Well, no, don't eat it. What? Well, this is a rule. It's an old uh, sort of wives' about, tale type rule. What about cows? Can, can we just sheep? interrupt the podcast to, to assess eating things bigger than your head? Cats pajamas or cats piss? Yeah, because I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling cats piss on this one. All all the best things are bigger than your head, Andrew. This means that if you won. The cheese rolling contest in the UK in Gloucester, you wouldn't be able to eat your prize. No, no this is the funny thing. Hanson likes this rule because he can eat more than anyone else in the world. <laughs> because the thing is, Andrew Hanson has a gigantic head. Yeah, Seriously, this is one of the takeaways from when we used to do the Chaser show, is you know, at some point they have to measure your head. Mm, and yeah, it turns yeah. out Hanson, and he doesn't look as big, but has a gigantic head. There was no s- tape measure big enough, but I never go hungry. Yeah, you can <laughs> eat anything. I've got to say, the contest for the biggest head in the chaser you'd think would be more hotly contested. Anyway, um, all right. So it seems as though that vegetable kayaking is is not as popular as I thought you'd be on board, oh, Rikas. I thought you'd be straight no, into it. I'm anti it. I'm really old school. I thought you were going to talk about canoe polo, which is what I did used to play, which was canoeing with polo on the But were, were they pumpkin canoes? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Very old-fashioned. We used to... Mm-hmm. Actually, you used to make them out of fiberglass, which would uh, 
just cut your legs throughout the whole game. It was great. <laughs> Did well, it really? Mm. Uh, suck shit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, now that I think about it, maybe a pumpkin would be better. <laughs> well, Craig, I, I know you used to play canoe polo back when you were fit, and um, there's a, a lot of variants of polo that are quite weird, but the one, one of the ones that I liked, it's called either cycle ball or rad ball, and it's a game of soccer played with bicycles. You're not allowed to touch you're not allowed to use any part of your body. You can only touch the ball with your bike to knock it into the goal. And the weirdest part is that the bikes that they use have no brakes. What really? do you think? That's a genuine sport that people play. I love the idea of this because it sounds incredibly dangerous and people would only hurt themselves. Have you ever tried to ride over a ball? It would just kill you. Yeah, and with no, and with no brakes. Is this another sport with, with no players? Like, <laughs> I, I, I imagine there are stretches on the sidelines and they take you straight from playing cycle ball to doing wheelchair basketball. Yes, it probably makes soccer better. I reckon this this is cat's pajamas as a spectator sport, and cat's piece as a participant sport. <laughs> it would mm. be terrible, wouldn't it? I'm so confused by it. Yeah, it's actually really hard because I've seen videos and the finesse involved in having the front wheel of your bike sort of dribbling the ball along. It's yeah. actually very hard. It's one of those things you could spend years perfecting, and mm. it's an incredibly pointless ability to have. Well, no, no, but I think this is the whole key with sports people is. Most sports people I meet tend to be really competitive and they want to come first in something. And they're usually not good enough to come first in some mainstream thing. So they make up a sport. They go, oh, well, why don't I take the brakes off my bike? Yeah, and play rad play soccer. (laughs) (laughs) And didn't you say say there were two names for this, Dom? Yeah, it's called, uh, it is called Cycle Ball or Red Ball. And I reckon that's because somebody was already invented this and became the best at Cycle Ball. And Mm. somebody else couldn't get to They're like, no, I play Rad Ball. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm the best in the world at Rad Ball. Yeah, and I'm it's number a, one on the league table of one. You, that, that's exactly like the jocks at school would be. They were the sort of competitive people who would think that rad ball. What was the other one? Cycle ball. Cycle oh. ball were really good names for a sport as well. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> can I yeah. ask? Can I ask everyone here a question then? Because you know, I mean, let's be fair. This is not the sportiest group of people. <laughs> oh, what pray. what sport would you have to invent where you thought you could become number one in it? Penny farthing ball. <laughs> would you be good at that, Charles? Can I you ride a penny farthing? Yeah, I can ride a penny farthing. <laughs> I, I, number one, is there a sport called master ball? <laughs> I'd be pretty good at that. Well, it's a good point about small groups inventing sports themselves. I want to tell you about the Eton Wall game. There are actually a couple of sports that uh, originated from Eton School, that very posh school in the UK. That's where all, all the royals go, don't Yeah, they? yeah, Prince William and Prince Harry went there, and one of them is Eton Fives, Roald Dahl's books, all, all about fives. But one of the ones that they play, they've got several, there's the Eton, I think the ground game and the wall game, and they only played at Eton. They haven't catched on, they haven't caught on at all. And it's a weird game. It's, it's kind of like a game of rugby union played next to a wall. Um, and the, the rules are very, very complicated and weird. But do you think that the game of rugby union would be improved by having a quite sharp and, and difficult to be tackled into wall on one side? So hang on a second. You, can you tackle somebody into the wall? Because otherwise, this is of no consequence. You can. I'll show you a photo. It's the photo of um, someone with the ball actually getting pushed into the wall. Like the grazers <laughs> would be quite profound. There's <laughs> about put, 10 of them just love about scrumming this, into the, a wall. Every single normal public, you know, government school around the world, 
They've always got a concrete ground with a wall next to it. And they've been playing this game for years. And it's only in Eton they go, let's call it Wall Ball. It'll be a new game. Yeah. This is just <laughs> what normally happens at it. I went to Barrel High School. That was just the norm. We had Wall Ball. It was great at our school. It was very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, getting pushed into walls. I remember that happening quite a lot at my school. Yeah, I don't <laughs> no. think it was a sport. No, that was called, no, I used to play. That was called Nerd Ball. Yeah. <laughs> you were the ball. <laughs> now, look. When you think about it, I mean, so much sport is actually just getting some sort of a ball across some kind of line. Mm. And look, it's a common thread. And I want to talk about another uh, great sport that's still played in one corner of the world now. It's the national sport of Afghanistan. It's called Buzkashi. And mm-hmm. what you do in Buzkashi is you're How on do you horseback. spell that, Dom? B U Z K A S H I. It's nothing to do with any other similar sounding word. Um, what you do in Buzkashi, let's call it that. Is you're on horseback, of course, they're great horse, uh, horse people in Afghanistan. You grab the carcass of a headless goat while at full gallop, and you've got to get it clear of the other players and take it across the goal line. Very popular in the whole region of South Central Asia, but particularly in Afghanistan. Yeah. Tommy, are you sure that you researched this in an encyclopedia? Because I'm pretty sure this is a scene from the Borat movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told it's a real game. What do you think? Uh, so, it's kind of like polo, but with a red a headless, with a headless goat. goat. Is it? Do you? What if you don't have the headless goat? If you've just got a goat, do you? I mean, preparing for the game must be terrible. <laughs> oh, no, no. Slazenger make, make the headless goats, Craig. They're, they're made to high specifications. The form of this game is played like all over the, the fact, region. I like the fact that they, they've gone, you've clearly got the position where, oh, my goat's head's been cut off. They've looked at the kind of head, which is the most ball-like thing possible for this game, and they've gone... Well, let's use this headless goat's body. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? The thing you that need I'm... a ball for a game. <laughs> Look, the thing to clarify is you don't actually need a headless goat because the Tajiki people... Oh, for people, God's sake, Dom, you're really stuffing this game up. The Tajiki the people, I liked. they use headless yaks. Oh, so really? You can use whatever beast of bird. <laughs> yaks. I mean, how do you even lift a headless yak? It's huge. Is, but it's it, enormous. It, did you say, it, like, you, you, you know, lift it up with y- y- your arms or with a stick? Well, if it's a yak, uh, you I need a crane. Actually, I think they actually carry it. Yeah, looking at a photo of the game in progress here, uh, the person who appears to be in the lead, oh, you, you sling it over the horse is what you do. That's what really? the horse is useful for. Yeah, you just sling the yak carcass. But how do you pick it up? Like, cause do you have to lean off the side of your horse and whip yeah, it look, up? the man in, in this photo, the man in the lead is bending. This is from Wikipedia if you want to play along at home. Uh, the, the man in the lead is bending over and there is a there is a body of a goat in the front there and they're all chasing after him. I can imagine that... The fatalities and casualties would be quite high playing. You'd crash into each other, wouldn't you? Mm, especially for goats. It wouldn't do well in this game. What would, the, but would the, what would be the Australian version of this game? When they brought it to North America, what they did was, when some Afghanis came to North America to study, mm. they played just with potatoes, which is much less dramatic. Still on horseback, oh, but you just got a good. potato. That's the, yeah, that's the a, vegan a, version of the game. I think it's, a sack of potatoes or just a potato? Just a potato, apparently. Yeah, that doesn't seem comparable a to a, a yak, on a, does it? Well, if it was in Australia, you'd get Peter Dutton. <laughs> Headless Peter Dutton. <laughs> Look, I, I, I like the sound of this game. Um, it's all about just using what you've got lying around, isn't it, really? Well, yeah, if, I, if I you've think got headless making, goats lying around. Yeah, I think we're making fun of ne- something that's clearly just of necessity for that region. They don't have balls and bats and, <laughs> and, and I think civilization. You've been racist. Heads of animals. <laughs> For all you know, that at the side of the ground. They don't have any this... headful animals. They've only got headless animals. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's, it's the just... Afghanistan version of Deliveroo. I don't know how they have <laughs> yeah. food in that region. It's also very stupid because you could eat the goat 
but you wouldn't be able to eat the head. So why not? I really, the bit where Buzkaki is really good, Kashi or whatever, is really, I think they've got it wrong, was the choosing the body over the head for the game. I would assume that the victor of this game gets to eat the goat. Yeah. I reckon this is all descended from, even if it's not nowadays. Because oh. when you when you kill a sheep or a goat, what you do is you cut its head off and then you drain it of blood. Yes. And what better way to drain it quickly of blood but to run around with it on I mean, a Bushkashi. horse. Or, yeah, and, and then it, that would have turned into yeah, a game of Bushkashi yeah. over the years. Or it's possible, I don't know, I've never had an Afghani cuisine, that the most delicious and prized thing is the head of a goat to eat. And that um, the whole point is to, <laughs> yeah, to get the, the prize goat because he just chew the, the <laughs> goat's head. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what are we going to do? Right. Yeah. Look, I mean, I would... You should have the answer to that, Dom. You, you I should. Up. I should. You should now, know about Buzkashi. No, it is true. I, I, and on a trip to the Middle East, I, I didn't go to Afghanistan, but in the Middle East, um, they do actually eat sort of sheep's and goats' heads. They, they like cooking them in a in a big, big sort of um, slow cook sort of way. Did you try the hand I, no, I, I did not. Is that I, what I turned was, you vegetarian? Yeah, it was it was a, a step on the path. Did you play yeah. Buzkashi while you were there? Oh, you're great fun. Let's just stop for a few moments to hear the obligatory sponsor message. But uh, as an incentive to keep listening, pretty soon people are going to start dying. <coughs> cats pyjamas or cats piss, talking lesser known sports and whether we should bring them back today. Now, look, <laughs> you mentioned, Craig, um, the idea of making do with what you have to invent a game. And I think there's something in that. I really know that, I know that for instance, when they're inventing AFL, they used cricket pitches that were just sitting there unused in winter and they started kicking the ball around and the, the mm. game merged from there. What would you say to the sport of earthworm charming where what you try to do is within, within a designated period of time, you try to lure as many earthworms as you can out of the ground. Uh, there are many techniques that can be used. The most common is to simply tap the ground rhythmically until the worms begin to emerge. Cats pyjamas or cats piss, earthworm charming. Cats piss. This is a boring game. <laughs> yeah, You've obviously never, never lured an earthworm successfully out of the soil. Ah. No, I'm God, kind of with you, you there, Craig. I, I feel like I think, NFB worse than American football. Like, like that, that, yeah, this is the kind of game, like when you're a kid and, and you've, you've kind of played seven different games with your friend and you're, and you're really at the last resort for what to do next because you've used every other bloody toy and option. That's when you do earthworm charming. This is cat's piss. No, I completely disagree. I think earthworms are absolutely fascinating. I've got a seven-year-old. Um, earthworm. And he's into worms. It's a really old worm. And uh, <laughs> no, it, no. <laughs> no, no, but earthworms. Do you eat much? Um, can be really, 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 really long. Mm. Oh, they your, can be... your life, Charles, is 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 very poor. Moment, <laughs> isn't it? You, you need some more interests. Well, I've got an interest in earthworms. Look, I've got We've a, got a of... worm farm at home. I've... There you go. There you yeah. go. You could. And you'd, did you'd you win know at this contest? Did you know worms? This is the amazing thing. Worms eat half their body weight every day. Yeah, do you know why though? Because they've got worms. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've got a lot of sports here, guys. Not everyone's going to be a winner. I think Earthworm Charming, we probably won't try to set up and become world champions of here in Australia. What about uh, Bao Taoshi? This is a Japanese sport. And that, uh, that phrase, Bao Taoshi, is Japanese simply for pole pull down. What you do, there are two poles put in a, a field, and each team has to try to knock down. 
the other team's poll. Couldn't be more simple. The complication is that each team has 150 people in it, mm. 75 attackers, <laughs> 75 defenders. And uh, it's a look at photos of this game. It, you, could, you would think it was an all-in brawl, and it is. <laughs> you know that this game actually originated at uh, Cronulla Surf Club, <laughs> and uh, they were the flags. <laughs> Yeah, 75 Lebos <laughs> defending. <laughs> Thank you for spelling that out. We yeah. couldn't possibly yeah. Have it. Yeah. <laughs> but look, I, it's an interesting game. There's a lot of Japanese people in Australia. We, we could possibly do very well internationally if this were made a global sport. I would love this game. I would absolutely love to play this game. I mean, like I like to tackle people, and I reckon this would be extremely fun to have 150 people trying to bring down a pole in a big in a, in a um field. Well, I think Australians would do well at it because of the AFL ability to take marks off people's backs and leap over people. We might be amazing at this. But you don't have to catch the pole. No, but you you jump on people and over the top and you got to get to the pole and knock it over. Yeah. I'm beginning to understand why Craig's brother broke his neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could we maybe have um, an Australian flag there and people who want to change the flag try and pull down the flagpole? We could make it more boring, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's it's the Japaneseness of the game that I like. I mean, yeah, you know, this is the kind of thing that they would have developed on those Japanese train stations where there's like 150 people all trying to get in the door of the one train. <laughs> oh, um, you think they're practicing for Baotashi? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they enjoy they enjoy behaving like mm. that. It's, I don't think it's a choice. It's just that they don't have enough trains, Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> or poles. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but then, how often does this happen? Because I've never seen Baltashi. I haven't seen it on any networks. Well, is it, uh, did, you know, has Foxtel picked oh, it up? Is it, yeah, if you is it in my Channel sports 7's, package? You've missed Channel 7's Baltashi Fridays. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't know. But um, having Have looked at the photos online. Have you done any research for this, Tom? <laughs> was... You're in charge of this podcast. You know nothing about these sports. Have you gone and played these sports for a while? I felt, that, I felt that just pull down the pole was probably <laughs> sufficient information to uh, assess it. Yeah, I love how my love of earthworm charming is mocked, whereas pulling down a pole is somehow <laughs> fascinating and like, wow, cat's pajamas. <laughs> All right, let's got move a... on. I've got uh, a sport from Wales here, and I have Hang some... Hang on, just well, Charles, what if you had to get the earthworm to come out of the ground and then you had to tackle down the earthworm using 150 <laughs> people? Would you prefer that game? You'd crush the earthworm. earthworm. (laughs) Let's go to Wales now. Now I have Welsh ancestry, but I have uh, I've never. I'm against them. Cats piss. I've never (laughs) heard of this particular game. Every (laughs) August, over a hundred swimmers from around the world take part in the annual World Bog Snorkeling Championships. Uh, You've got to wear flippers and a snorkel. There are two lengths of a sixty-yard bog. And you can't use any traditional swimming strokes to get from one end to the other. What do you think, cats, jumps or cats, piss? Snorkeling through a disgusting, filthy bog. Yeah. Well, look, in, in Wales, that, that's, that's a trip to the beach. <laughs> I mean, this is what they do in, in summer. Yeah. Well, those cats, cats pajamas for me, um, swimming through. Actually, I've got nothing more to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> edit, edit, edit out the cats pajamas. <laughs> what do we think? Just swimming through a bog. I mean, look, the thing is, you say it's yucky, but it, like. A bog is just, isn't it just like a muddy patch, really? Mm. Like, this is like, this is probably great for your skin. That's true. It would be like (laughs) a mud bath and Mm. and swim at the same time. I suppose it's not that different from tough mudder. But there's always somebody who wees in the bog. That's true, right. and it's interesting. Oh. That, That's piss for me. Yeah, it's piss, piss yeah. for me. Uh, it, it's interesting how Dom says it's like tough mudder because remember, tough mudder 
one year everybody did get some disease because the mud everyone did tough mudder through had been pissed in or something or had a lot of feces, fecal kind of in it. So, you know, that's probably a bad comparison to draw. But it was good for their skin. <laughs> All right. Now, a sport that's um, very popular in the world and, and that's really taken off in kind of the past 20 years, which is Quidditch. Now, of course, we know it's a Harry Potter sport, <clears throat> but people take this very, very seriously. They have uh, tried to get as many of the elements from the game as they can. Of course, in the movies, they're flying through the air. Probably not quite as exciting on the ground, but is it still worth playing? The thing that I find oddest about Quidditch, uh, Muggle Quidditch, as they call it for non-magical people, is that you have to play it while at all times uh, suspending a broom between your legs. So what do you do? You run around with a broom between your legs and what what do you do? What's the point of the game? You need to put the, I think it's the quaffle, the ball. You've got to put mm-hmm. it between some hoops. There's a golden snitch that runs around. I think they use a, a person who you've got to try and catch. And then there are beaters who've got to try and... Um, uh, there are the two bludges which are the, It's very complicated basically Yeah you're really good mm. Look uh, I don't particularly like Quidditch uh, When it's not magical But I'm quite a big fan of Quidditch boxing <laughs> Which is yeah. When you get, to, while, you get you to You just beat up the dickheads running around With broom brooms between their legs You get to beat up Harry Potter fans It's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> And slowly they become worse and worse at Quidditch <laughs> I actually reckon What we need for this to work is for Elon Musk to invent a broom that actually does fly around because mm. that would be pretty awesome. Well, come on, Elon. Are you are you going to uh, invent that or are you going to call Charles a pedo? He <laughs> <laughs> can, can do both at once. He's too busy smoking weed and calling people pedos to come up with a <laughs> flying broom. <laughs> The thing that amazes me is that this notion that that fantasy fiction fans are going to get outside and play a sport. I I mean, I know as one, I'm not going to do that. And uh, so this game for me is absolute cat's piss. (laughs) It's like just taking a computer game and going, we're doing it outside. Look, I'm playing Pac-Man. Hold in a Wall TV series, which was based on like real life Tetris. And it was in Australia for about one episode. Everyone went, hang on, this is a stupid idea. Let's not do it. (laughs) That's because they took all the, they got all those, the hole in the walls from, from Japan. (laughs) And then all these trains are too fat. And no one ever got through a single hole. (laughs) I reckon Muggle Quidditch was actually invented by a mother. Don't you reckon it's like, oh, now, come on, nerdy kids. Let's all go outside and play Quidditch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now run around with a broom between your legs. Uh. That'll be very fun. Actually, you see, I think Quidditch has actually taken the place of, when we were at uni, the Society for Creative Anachronism, it used to do jousting and things like that and, and dress up and do horse stuff. That's I still think they going. all now do Quidditch, mm. no? Still going. still going. I reckon I see a Creative Anachronism story online. It's like the, the, you know, the Channel 10 end of the news story about twice a year. Mm. Still going. Come and laugh at these dipshits. It probably makes Quidditch worth uh, worth keeping around. Now, this apparently is is a legitimate sport. Work with me here. It's called ferret legging, and the way that it works is um, you have to put on pants without underwear, put two ferrets in your pants, mm. and keep them in there without escaping for as long as possible. The current uh, world record is five hours. Wow! Two ferrets Whoa. in your pants. What do you think? Can you like? Put a belt or something around the bottom of your legs, or do you have to put? Do you have to start at the bottom, like at the bottom of your legs, or is there a particular? You know, can you put them in from the top? 
Well, wh- why would it matter what? which which yeah. way you insert them, Craig? You seem a bit too interested in this why? game. I feel if I want to play ferret legging this weekend, I want to know how to do it, okay? Yeah, I, like, I get the sense you do want to play. Um, funnily enough, I can actually answer that from the Wikipedia page. You tie your trousers at the at the ankles, mm-hmm. yes, and you yeah. secure your belt. But I guess uh-huh. also they can potentially um, uh, gnaw through. But there are there are more rules. You can't be drunk or drugged. The ferrets can't be sedated. No underwear, so because the ferrets need to be able to run from one leg to the other. And don't try and be tricky. The ferrets have to have a full set of teeth. Oh, I, yeah. I am very ticklish. I would not like this game. I think this is cat's piss. It's funny you say you're very ticklish because I have a thing. Uh, it's not ticklishness, but I really don't like ferrets biting my penis, um, which is also why I, I think I might not like this game. It's interesting you say that. The former world champion, his name was Reg Millor. Um, apparently said that it's got nothing to do with how much your skill, what your skill is. It's just whether you can have your knob bits and not care about it. His, his innovation, Reg Mellor, was white trousers so you could see the blood better. Oh, oh. Miss, Mrs. Reg Miller, I think is your name. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, you, you, your name would have to be Reg to play this game, mm. I reckon. Oh. Now, I should clarify that a lot of the sports we talked about today were invented as as a pub bet. This is certainly one. I think the bog snorkeling was as well. So clearly drinking uh, is is key to the invention. But hang on a second. You just said that part of ferret legging, the rules were you couldn't be drunk. So this is this can't be a bar game in any way. Well, if it is, you it's bet a when you're pissed and then you got to be sober. Oh, you oh, you do the next yourself. day. So you kind of wake up and go, you wake up in the morning, oh, my head. <laughs> God, I hope I didn't make a bet about ferret legging. <laughs> the strange no, no, thing is, no, no, I think, I think you, you sober up the moment your dick gets bitten. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a sobering experience. Um, oh, and it's a good tip if you if you see the RBT just ahead, you should always keep a ferret in the car and just pop it down your trousers, and then um, you you'd appear very sober. Some more things about ferret legging. It's existed for centuries. Um, people actually do it at the moment, and bizarrely enough, p- uh, wildlife groups who want to preserve ferrets support it, and they supervise to make sure that the ferrets what? don't get hurt. To try and, uh, I guess, if we're doing ferret legging, there's a reason to conserve ferrets. Well, maybe maybe it's a bit of a romantic atmosphere for the ferrets because there's two of them. Remember, maybe it's a sort of hey. Mm. You know, there's nice a boy and, and a girl ferret. Well, surely yeah, two though. ferrets could have a date without my penis being there. Well, well exactly. Yeah, it's it's not very romantic at all when I think about it that way. That I, I wouldn't want to be uh, in a dark place with Craig's penis dangling <laughs> around on the romantic date. You would bite, wouldn't you? <laughs> all right, and look, the final sport to share with you, which is why I, I kind of you wanted to. Oh, have we have we decided whether we did do do or don't like ferret? Oh, we have. Yes, I get the sense people think it's cat's piss. And if you didn't before this, uh, Paul Hogan apparently talked about it throughout an entire appearance on Jay Leno once upon a time, which I think pretty much seals the deal. But the reason that I thought of this idea to begin with is a very weird sport I learnt about on a trip to Mexico. And apparently what used to happen in the 1500s and 1600s and and thereabouts in the Mayan civilizations, in the Mayan civilization and some of the other, um, I guess, uh, early Mexican civilizations was a thing known as the, the Mayan ball sport. And... It was kind of like basketball. It's the oldest team sport that we know about, the Mayan ball game. And essentially, uh, it was with a rubber ball like basketball, but a solid rubber ball, so incredibly heavy. You could only move it, they think, with your hips around. You had to still get it through the hoop, so they must have been able to throw it at some point. But the strange thing about the Mayan ball game is that one of the two teams at the end of the game 
was ritually sacrificed. Um, and bizarrely enough, the team that was usually slaughtered after a game, and this, was, this took place at Mayan temples, was the winning team. Because in Mayan civilization, it was a great honor to be sacrificed uh, at a temple. Well, this, this, is, this, mm. this is cat's pajamas. Because I never win at anything. <laughs> I would have survived. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to understand why the Mayan civilization died out. <laughs> I feel these rules were poorly thought through. It's been brought back. They call it Ulama uh, nowadays, and it's got some sort of racquetball aspect to it as well. But it's bizarre. This what? is the first racquetball. This they is the first team sport. Hold on. hold on. They've brought back a game where the team is ritually slaughtered at the. <laughs> End? Well, they don't do that bit, and I think having watched some videos, they, they of play, that bit. that's the whole point seems, of the game. It seems duller without the jeopardy of the death at the end. <laughs> cats, pajamas, or cats, Pearson? Would we bring back the death bit? I think this explains the Blues' performance in the State of Origin over the last fifteen <laughs> years. I think that they thought that if they won, they'd get ritually sacrificed. Mm, mm. They thought they were playing what was it called, Mayan ball. <laughs> yeah, Ulama or the Mayan ball game. Um, well, are there other sports today that we could make more interesting? by having a death penalty for the winning or losing team. Should we bring this idea into the modern age? Well, yes. you almost do. I mean, you know, in soccer, the, the losing team nearly does get torn. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of pretty close. There's that Colombian goalie, wasn't there, who, yeah. uh, who got their own goal at the World Cup and, uh, and got shot? I suppose it, there's some elements of it. I'd like to see it uh, happen in the pool. I think the Australian swimming team has done very poorly in the last couple of Olympics. I think that you they think, would swim a little faster if the jeopardy was. You think but, they'd but, swim but, faster if we're going to kill them at the end, Charles? I don't think you yeah. understand Mayan ball, which is no, why, that's right. Charles, I'd like to have a game of Mayan ball with you <laughs> yeah. after this. I'll, I'll win. Yeah. I'll win. Yeah. Oh, I bet winner. you do, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on today's installment of Cat's Pajamas or Cat's Piss. Oh, no, Charles, you got another try in Mayan ball. <laughs> Cat's Pyjamas or Cat's Piss with The Chaser was written and presented by The Chaser. Created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia, producer Alex Mitchell, sound production by Darcy Thompson and Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or search Cat's Pyjamas on Apple Podcasts.